Welcome to the Discovering Our Scars podcast, where we have honest conversations about things that make us different. I'm Steph. And I'm Beth. I've been in recovery for 13 plus years and am the author of Discovering My Scars, my memoir about my mental health struggles, experiences, and faith. I'm a lawyer turned pastor who's all about self-awareness and emotional health because I know what it's like to have neither of those things. Beth and I have been friends for six years, have gone through a recovery program together, and when I wanted to start a podcast, she's the only name that came to mind as co-host. I didn't hesitate to say yes, because I've learned a lot from honest conversations with Steph over the years. We value honest conversations, and we hope you do too. That's why we do this, and why we want you to be part of what we are discussing today. What is our topic today, Steph? Today, we are going to propose a question. Are you the authority on you? Ooh, good question. Yeah. Do you love yourself enough, right? Are you the one that knows you the best and the most? I think the obvious question is, or the obvious answer is, yes, hopefully. <laughs> I'm me. How can I not know me? Right, right. Well, I think self-awareness is not uh, is not easy for everybody. It's a something that you and I place a high value on. You know, we've talked about it on the podcast. You talk about it in your book. I talk about it in the, the forward. Self-awareness is, is a big deal to you and to me. But I don't think it's important to everybody, it seems. I don't know. What do you think keeps people from self-awareness? That's an interesting question. Um, I know, I, all I know is me, you know, I, I do, I do think I'm the authority on me. Um, but I haven't always been, I haven't always known fully who I am. And I think a, a part of the reason is I was afraid of what might, what I might find. Oh, and yeah. I was also afraid I wouldn't like myself because there was a long time where I didn't like myself. I didn't realize it at the time, but I didn't like me. I thought I was boring and not fun and not cool to be around oh, and I didn't love myself yeah. I love myself now I'm the coolest person you're the coolest person in this room right now for sure uh Max pretty cool I'm not gonna lie <laughs> she's not a person she has a, she breathes she's a dog she's not a person she has thoughts and feelings and emotions she's she is a beautiful created being yeah she's not a person she's not a human being that is correct <laughs> she's my person though Anyways, I think it's a lot of fear of what you might find when you really spend time with yourself and exploring every aspect of you. So for me, when I started in college, I started having really deep depression and dealing with self-injury, which is now called non-suicidal self-injury. And I would essentially hurt myself to make me feel better. And it sounds very counterintuitive, um, but that's how, how I felt, how it would help me feel for the longest time. I dealt with that for a long time and for, for many years and it's all in my book, but for many years I dealt with that, that and I didn't know why that kept being my go-to action. I wanted to stop that being my go-to action because it did not satisfy me anymore the longer it went on. And I finally was at my lowest and was like, I, I have to know all of me. I have to know the ins and outs of me. And when I finally got to that vulnerable place where I was finally like, even though the fear was there, the courage stepped forward and I, and to find out truly who I was, that's when I turned to God and I said, you know, I, I need to know my story. I need to know what happened to me. And that's when I found out about the abuse. And that's when I found out about a couple things from childhood and everything that led to where I am. And I saw the complete full picture of me. And that's when I truly was able to start to love me was when I knew me and all the hurts and all the things that had happened 
And I have to make time for that. I have to remind myself and I have to forgive myself for things. Something happened yesterday, actually, that I was thinking about and I was like kicking myself. I was like, why did I say that? And then I was like, no, I need to forgive myself. And I literally this morning I was like, I'm going to forgive myself for, for doing that because all of these other things were great. This was good. I'm so glad I did this. I can forgive myself for this. So you were in a place where you didn't really like yourself. And I think that is in many ways a universal experience. The paradox of it is you were in a place where you didn't really like yourself. So you took time to really get to know yourself better. And, and that takes risk, right? Because if you're already feeling like, oh, maybe I'm maybe I don't really like myself. And now I'm going to take time to really find out who I am. Oh, what if I find something that's really, you and know, I did find something bad. You did. <laughs> I found the thing I was fearing the most. Yeah, that was always in the back of my head. I had a fear that I was abused or I had a fear that I had been raped. That was my mm. fear. And that's what had happened. Once I came to that realization that that is actual truth, that is what happened. It actually didn't crumble me. It actually made me stronger and made me able to move forward. And and so it did the opposite. As much as I was so scared and so fearful of it, I took that that step. And I can see how all of those things, like I wouldn't go back and change those things. Like this is my life. I'm where I am today because of those things. And I, I find that I'm stronger for it. But I don't feel like if I had not done that hard work and learned those pieces, um, I don't think I would be where I am today. But what about you, Beth? I would find, I would say you're a very self-aware person. Um, do you feel like you've always been that way? No, I definitely have not always been self-aware. Uh, it's easy to, it's easy to get busy and to distract yourself. And when you combine that with a little bit of denial, it, I, I think that it sustained me for a long time. And I think that I know people today who it is continuing to sustain them. Do you think busyness helps distract from self-awareness? I definitely think that busyness is a distraction from self-awareness. And I think also busyness is a justification for not engaging in the work of self-awareness because there was a season when I remember thinking, I literally don't have time to think about that. If I go down that rabbit hole, I'm just going to go down, 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 down. And I don't have time to be down right now. Yeah, I, I have, I got to get stuff done. So I'm like, what's that line out of Gone with the Wind with Scarlett O'Hara? You know, oh, I'll think about it tomorrow. Doesn't she say something <laughs> like know. that? Oh, man. Sorry, I don't think I've seen that movie. Yeah, it's a Scarlett O'Hara quote from Gone with the Wind. She says, I'll think about that tomorrow. Tomorrow is another day. That's interesting because my quote is that is like the opposite of that. I live by the quote, uh, one day, take one, take it one day at a time. Yeah. And so I live in today. That's all I have is today. I focus on today. I don't focus on tomorrow because that's what overwhelms me. Yeah, no so, time like the present. Yeah, Unless exactly. you're Scarlett O'Hara and then there's no time like tomorrow. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, so I do think that people uh, use busyness as a way to put off doing the work of self-awareness because self-awareness does take work. Yes. And and also in that way, actually, I think in some respects, self-awareness is a luxury. Yeah. You know, I, I think that there are lots of people who don't have the time or the emotional bandwidth to really to, to do that work. But it is important work. I think it's a big thing that happens in recovery programs is self-awareness. I mean, that's a hard thing. I mean, I remember when we were going through it is like every day that we were, I mean, all the questions were about me, just about me, not any, I didn't have to study for them. I just, it was about me. And I had to do that self-reflection every time. And that was hard. And I think that's probably why a lot of people um, are hesitant to be involved with recovery programs, because as much as it seems like it should be the easiest thing in the world, it's, it's work. 
it's easier to think about the ways other people need to change than to face oh, the yeah. ways that you individually need to change. That it's it's much easier to to look at other people. But you, anyone who's listening to this right now, you are worth getting to know. It's mm-hmm. it's worth it for you to take the time to really get to know yourself. You have inherent self worth. So let me ask you, Steph. Actually, this is a question you asked me, but now I'm going to flip it back on you. Do you think that it is um, possible to love someone else if you don't love yourself? Interesting. That is a good question. I asked you that. Yeah, that was my I was question. Like, no wonder wow. you think it's a good question. You you asked me this question recently, <laughs> oh, and it, and I've been pondering it. I don't remember your answer. Did you answer it? Yes, I have an answer. Okay, my answer is, I don't I don't think you can truly love someone else without loving yourself. That is my answer, which is why I am not married because I had to know who I was before I could be ready for another. But I am ready. So if you are between the ages of uh, what ages? Well, we should say like between 30, the ages of 30 and 40. In the 30s. Yeah. No, not 40. Ugh. Between 30 and oh, 40. Okay. All right. Sorry. Between 30 and 39 and three quarters. Yes. <laughs> call in. Let us know. Send us a text message. Don't call in. It might be weird. <laughs> We won't use this as my dating uh, profile. So same question, Beth. Can you love another person fully without loving yourself? Yes, I think you can. Okay, well. <laughs> so my experience is that um, my husband and I have been together since high school. He brought me flowers on my 16th birthday. If, if you've been a podcast listener for a while, you may have heard Charlene call in. She's, she's been my friend for a long time. She had a surprise birthday party for me when I turned 16. Aww. And Steven came to that party and brought me flowers. Oh my gosh. So we've been together um, a long time. And for sure, early in our marriage, I didn't know myself well enough to really love myself. But being loved by him opened up a space where it was safe for me to do that emotional work. And so it's one of the advantages of, of having gotten married really young is that we've we really have grown up together and that doesn't work for everybody in fact I think usually it doesn't work for people I was gonna say I don't know if we're recommending that (laughs) I wouldn't recommend it um but it has been very good for me to because he is able to kind of hold this space and then I think I've done that for him as well so that we have have each been able to do our emotional work I've never been married but I know a lot of people have been divorced and I feel like and I don't usually know why people get divorced, but I feel like that could lead to divorce is that people don't love themselves. And if you don't love yourself, can you truly fully love another person? You know, what's that quote from the Bible? Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, that's in the Bible. What if you don't love yourself? How do you love your neighbor? Well, how do you love yeah. your spouse? Well, if you don't love yourself, yeah. especially getting married young, you obviously are a different situation, but get, especially getting married young, not knowing yourself at all. Yeah. But, much less love, like even knowing like who you are, what you want to do. If you guys don't compliment each other in the, in the right ways, I can see where that divorce rate can, can be high because of that. Yeah. I was 20 when we got married. I was young. Wow. Yeah. But I think also people sometimes get to a point in, in any long-term relationship, including marriage, where if you're, if you're in a place where you don't really like yourself you can't understand why someone else would like you, much less love you. And so then you start to doubt the level of this commitment because, well, I'm not really lovable, so they don't really love me, right? And so yeah. it's okay to maybe be unfaithful because, mm. right, they you don't really yourself, love me anyway. You know it's an easy out. Yeah. yeah. So I, I do feel like I have seen that a handful of times, and it's, it's really heartbreaking mm. to see that and to know 
this person who I really like doesn't yeah. like themselves enough to uh, to do their emotional work and to be emotionally healthy. Do you think knowing you fully and honestly is important in uh, in the workplace? Is it important in in your daily life? I can't think of a situation where it's not important, actually, mm-hmm. because in any type of situation where you're going to have human interaction, there's a chance that that the other human you're interacting with is going to bump up against one of your mm-hmm. sore spots. Yeah. And if you are self-aware, then you know, oh, that's why that hurts so mm-hmm. much is because it's because of something I'm dealing with. And if you aren't very self-aware, then you tend to think it's all about what other people are doing. Oh, so-and-so shouldn't have said that to me. But really, so-and-so didn't mean anything by it. It just it just rubbed a raw spot on my heart. And so I have, you know, I really genuinely am hurt by it. But it's my work that needs to be done. Yeah, I would definitely agree. When I worked for Apple, I was a leader. And there was definitely, I knew, an, I knew like, professional me. And I knew, like, I, the skills I had. And I was working on these skills and da-da-da. But there was things that really crumbled me when I worked there. And things that just kind of... I like went home and just cried for hours because of things that happened. And if I had fully known myself at that time, I would have been able to head those off before they even happened. And I would know like when someone triggers something in me, I would know, okay, well that's related to this. And this is a totally different situation. This is not going to crumble me. And I've dealt with the stuff that could have been a trigger before kind of thing. So I definitely see it will make you stronger and better in all aspects of your life by knowing all of you. So here's an example that happened to me recently that I think when you hear the story, you'll be, you will, you will see how wrong I was right away. Right. You're never wrong. No, 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 no. So I recently was at a high school sporting event. I have two kids who are in high school at halftime for this event. They invited all breast cancer survivors to come to the field to be honored and recognized. And it hurt my feelings because they Um. said, breast cancer survivors, and I have had ovarian cancer, not breast cancer. So I got all up in myself and I was like, I can't believe that they're going to just exclude me. Like, oh, now I'm not even cool enough to have the right kind of cancer. Thanks, guys. Like, I I totally had a moment in my head about it, right? Because I have done a lot of emotional work and I have worked with a counselor and like I've, you know, have gotten a lot of my stuff out pretty quickly. I was able to go, oh, this is about me. I, I, I This is about work that I need to do. It's not about something that this organization, it's, it's not that this organization has somehow slighted me, right? Of course we should celebrate breast cancer survivors. So I was trying to just think of kind of an example of, I have tended to put it off on other people when really it was my work. And that was one of those moments where my initial reaction was, they're doing this mm-hmm. wrong. Oh yeah. But actually they were doing it perfectly right. It was that I needed to do some work on that sore spot. Oh yeah, I think that happens a lot where people will blame an outside source because it's it's easier to blame that outside source than actually looking in and saying, why does this bother me so much? Why am I getting so worked up about this? There's times where I'll have a lot of things, little things that I haven't really dealt with. And then one thing will happen and I'll just like explode. And it's right. because I haven't worked with on those little things because I constantly have to be aware of those things and work on them so that they don't become a big thing like that. Yeah. But at some level, you have to know you're worth doing that work. We can put a link to this in the show notes, but I recently watched um, a video. It's from 2017, so a few years ago. And Will Farrell gave the commencement address at USC, which was his alma mater. And they had given him an honorary doctorate degree. And 
And of course, he's a hilarious human being. And so he was really funny in how he delivered everything. But he shared a very heartwarming story, sort of in the middle of it, where he talked about knowing that he could make his friends laugh and thinking that that was okay. But then realizing that someone who he didn't already have a relationship with thought he was funny. It, it was a random professor and how the professor had really validated him and had invited him to do something that was funny and how that made him embrace what he described. It was his word. He described the weird side of himself, Mm. that it's okay to be funny and weird, that it was okay to really be himself and how that really changed the trajectory of life and his career. And I think that's kind of what we're saying too is, it's, it's okay to really be your true self, but you got to know who your true self is. So are you the authority on you? Are you enough of an authority about yourself that you can be your true self? I really like that story, Beth, because it sounds like he had, it really helped push him along by having supportive people in his life. Do you think having support, having a really strong support group, you know, one or two people or group, however you have it, do you think that is key to knowing yourself I mean, I definitely think that it helps. It, it helps to have to have people who are willing to like you even when you don't like yourself so that you can, they can carry you through those times. And I mean, it sounds, it might sound like weakness to some people to say there, there are going to be times when your friends or your significant other maybe need to, to carry you for a bit emotionally, but it's true. And, and I think sometimes we see this, um, we were recently with some with a group of people. And in this group of people, there was a couple and their way of interacting with each other was to belittle each other. Mm. And so, um, not support each other. Right. But not in an overtly mean way, but in a way that was like, Oh, don't ask him that question. He won't know the answer or, Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, observed that in a couple that I know. And it's kind of like, like sometimes the husband will like put down the wife, not in like a, abusive way but just kind of in like a psychological way it was like what why would you say that she's not good at that why would right. you just automatically say that yeah right. and not be supportive of a supportive or encouraging of the person just like you know their faults and you're going to make sure that they stay their faults kind of thing right because you know if you're talking about something and they're not good at that oh I'm going to make sure you know they're not good at that because they're never going to get better yeah and then try to laugh it off yeah you know like I wonder if that leads to divorce I mean, I think that it I think that it could, because if you don't feel supported and you don't feel like you're okay, that's not going to make for a healthy long term relationship. I don't think we have enough authority on a divorce to really talk about this. Well, we don't have authority on anything. We don't. But we don't have context. So maybe we should bring a divorce person on to have a better conversation about this. I mean, I really think every every divorce is unique. Yeah, and and is is the result of unique circumstances. So I don't want to I don't want to paint it with. Uh, a broad brush I will it would say just be their experience yeah because like my experience with self self-injury that's only my experience right all I can talk about is mine so I might I don't know right. maybe we should add it to the list maybe we should I recently shared about my adoption story that's my yeah. adoption story yeah exactly every unique. every single one is unique yeah yeah so I did have an experience one time where I didn't realize that I was doing it but I had a, a friend say to me you know I like spending time with you because you say nice things about your husband and oh, I was like, interesting. What do you mean? And it was true that we were kind of in this was when we all had toddlers and that that is a hard time in a marriage. I'm just going to just going to tell you like that is a hard time. It's hard to live with toddlers. They're very tyrannical and what? it's hard. Oh, yes. What's t- tyrannical? Like tyrants. 
I've never heard that word before. Well, I've taught you a new word. word. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So anyway, uh, because it was a hard time, it it was one of those times, too, where a lot of us were looking outward instead of doing our own work. Our husbands got kind of caught in the crosshairs of that a lot. You know, well, if he would just do this, if he would just do that. I realized pretty quickly that I didn't feel good when I said unpleasant things about my husband. And so I tried to really focus on all the things that were right. When I started sharing those, it sort of this friend noticed. And and so and she pointed out to me that she had noticed. And I was like, oh, yeah, I have started to do that. You're right, because I really want to focus on the positive. But also I had started to do a lot of my own work by then. And so it was easier to see the positive because I wasn't trying to just project all my negative onto everybody else. I also think being the authority of you, it doesn't mean it's one and done kind of thing. I don't think you become oh. it and and it's done. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> I Good think point. it's a ongoing um ongoing process because you might put the hard work in now, but if you aren't continuing to do that work, you can get back to not a great situation. And what we were just talking about, I think having supportive people can really help that process of you continuing to love yourself and know yourself. And I've I've had that in my life where I have somebody in my life currently that is not supportive. And if I say yes, they say no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If I say right, they say left. And it doesn't matter what it is, but they are completely unsupportive of of everything. And I had to come to the realization that this is who they are and that's not going to change. And I want to replace them with someone that is supportive. So I actually have a really good friend, the the friend that drew the, uh, took the picture for the front cover of my book, my friend, Daniel, I have basically kind of adopted him as a, a family member and look at him as a brother, as somebody that is, he's always been so supportive of me. I write about it in the book and he and his family are just so great. And also they just got a greyhound unrelated, oh, but that I just makes so them even greater. Excited. Right? <laughs> they just got a greyhound. His name is Max with an X and I have Mac with a C super exciting. I was like so excited when he got his Greyhound. Anyways, that was off topic, but I just had to put that out there because he heard our Greyhound episode and then went and got the Greyhound. No, they had been thinking about it for a while, but, uh, any, yeah. ex- any excuse to plug the Greyhound. Yes. Right? Any uh, excuse? And if you, we'll put a link to the adoption agency, if you're interested in the Greyhound. Um, but I, I use him as a, as a support in my life as someone that is super supportive of me and I, I seek that out. And I, I kind of looked at my life and I said, okay, who are the people that I want to keep in my life that I want to have in that constant rotation? And he was at the top of the list is this is somebody that is supportive of my choices and helps be my cheerleader and not discourage those. And so I think sometimes we have to do, I've had to do the hard work of people that I, I can choose people that I want to have in my life and I can step back from people that aren't, aren't good for me. That's a whole nother episode. You just described like doing a friend audit or something. Oh. <laughs> I, I just don't know about that stuff. It's I don't interesting know. because Daniel did the same thing recently. We should interview him about it because he he literally did it more as like an actual thing. He like audited his friends and said, who does he want to have in his life right now? And those are the only ones he takes tes- text messages from. Because he wow. has like, he had like hundreds of text messages unread. I was like, what? text messages? This is ridiculous. And he's like, yeah, I only answer the one. I only look and answer the ones of people that are in my top group right now. And I was like, well, you answer mine. He's like, cause you're in that group. I, I mean, man, that was special. Wow. <laughs> I know. So if you want to truly learn about friend audit, we'll <laughs> find, talk to him about it. This is an audio format. So you cannot see the horror on my <laughs> face right now, but I am gobsmacked. 
what to audit your friends yes i think we all do it in just not a official way like there's been seasons of friends and season and like but that happens naturally it's I not know. like i'm gonna sit down and he audit did it people officially out. yeah he did it officially yeah <laughs> which wow. was like yeah i'm glad you made the cut because he sounds intense i know but he's not intense he's like the nicest person you'll ever meet like the, the people who are not the people who, whose text messages but you're ignoring do not think that that's self-awareness him. though that's pretty cool he's so self-aware that he knows he only has so much time in a day and these are the places he wants to put his time i guess he's an authority on himself he must be yes we're impressed daniel way to go <laughs> high five daniel <laughs> <Boop>. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. We uh, we want to let you know that we both actually have weekly newsletters that we send out. Email newsletters. We don't mail it. Right. Uh, don't get oh. crazy. Yeah. Snail mail. Ugh. Yeah. Gross. Paper. No. Ugh. Snail mail. It has a time and place. It has a time and place. Not for our newsletters. You send out Christmas cards. I do. And I it's love special. Out Christmas cards. It was on my fridge for a while. You never saw it. Anyways, we send out newsletters by email uh, once a week. Beth sends her. Usually it's uh, something related to what you might have heard in church the week before. Scripture based and invites you to do a reflection. It's very good and interesting and it's not super churchy. So I didn't love that description. Okay. (laughs) They're much better than I make them sound apparently. It's a blog. It's you have a blog where you have you write about many different topics. Yes. Bible related. It is. But it's not like it's not like a Bible lesson. Right. Well, my whole goal is to demystify the Bible, to yeah. make it manageable and meaningful and and to make it something that people are kind of curious about. And so I usually try to keep it, you know, under 700 words, 500 to 700 words. So you can just read it in a couple of minutes and, and it's designed so that hopefully you'll get something out of it. Yes. And I have a newsletter that will, uh, it's basically just updates in my newsletter. It will tell you, um, give you a link to our latest podcast. If I wrote a blog that week, um, I have a blog that I just write about random stuff Nothing substantial. (laughs) My last blog post was about why I love Mondays. If you're interested, check it out. (laughs) Mondays are pretty great. But you can uh, check out my newsletter. Uh, Just go to my website, stephaniekostopoulos.com, and there will be a sign up at the bottom for it. And how do I sign up for yours? And mine is bethdemi.com. And there's a sign up like at the top? At at the top. Okay. And we'll, we'll put links to all this in the show notes. So don't feel like you have to, you know, immediately go there. You can pull up the show notes and then link right to it. At the end of each show, we like to end with questions for reflection. These are questions that we wrote based on today's show. And Beth will read them, leaving a little space in between each for you to pause the podcast to reflect on them in the car, wherever you are. Or you can download a PDF available on our website, dospod.us. Number one, what does it mean to be the authority on you? Number two, How can you personally move past the surface level hurts to do the deeper work? Number three, who in your life is not self-aware? How does that affect your relationship with them? Number four, do you think you can truly love someone else without truly loving yourself first? Do you think this might lead to breakups? This has been the Discovering Our Scars podcast. Thanks for joining us.